Today, we'll speak about the fall of Jerusalem, the city of God, and God's invitation for restoration, the fall of God's people, the fall of God's kingdom, and the grace of God still there when there is an invitation for God's restoration of this city and the people thereof. I don't know how many of you like history. History shows, if you study history, history shows that it is not only external forces which cause the demise of a nation or civilization, but the primary factor causing the collapse of a nation has always been the enemies within, namely moral corruption. The ancient Greek civilization disappeared from history ultimately due to its moral failure. The reason for the fall of the Roman Empire was the same. Look at China. In the past 3,000 years of Chinese history, countless numbers of dynasties and kingdoms have come and gone in the mainland of China. On the surface, all these dynasties and kingdoms fell by the invasion of the other dynasties and kingdoms. But if you analyze, if you take apart their history and study each dynasty and kingdom, in reality, you discover that the true reason for the collapse of each dynasty was the disintegration of their society due to moral corruption, even long before their enemies' invasion. The reason for the fall of Israel and Judah was the same. Serious moral decay resulting from their blatant rejection of God's standards. In other words, these so-called people of God became immoral because they became impious first. How did that happen? Somebody said, those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. As a citizen of the United States of America, I do not want to see America implode due to moral decadence. Unfortunately, I see the absence of morality in America and see our nation, though wealthy and powerful, teetering on the brink of collapse. Let us learn from the history of Israel and Judah. Of all the social ills and problems that Israel and Judah suffered during the time of the prophet Isaiah, the two most prominent moral failures were found in the fact that justice and righteousness were gone from these two countries. The term justice appears 420 times throughout the Old Testament. In Isaiah alone, it appears 40 times. The biblical definition of justice is the demands of the moral law based on the word of God. How about righteousness? The word righteousness occurs 273 times in the Old Testament, while the rest of the prophets combined mentioned this word 12 times. Isaiah alone mentioned this word 
58 times to Isaiah, one of the major problems of his country was lack of justice and righteousness. Righteousness means conformity to God's standard. Now listen to Isaiah's indictment of the people of God. See how faithful city, in reference to Jerusalem, see how the faithful city has become a harlot, a prostitute. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderous. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says that God planted a beautiful vineyard in Palestine. When God planted this beautiful vineyard in Palestine, God had high hopes and mighty expectation that this vineyard would produce amazing fruit. But listen to what God says. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the man of Judah are the gardens, gar garden of the delight. And he lit for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. If justice and righteous, righteousness both mean con uh, conformity to some accepted moral standards, particularly the word of God. The United States of America is in big trouble because we have lost that standard. From some time ago, in our country, anything and everything is okay. The absolutes are gone except the statement that there is no absolutes in our country. Justice, righteousness, and morals have long been obsolete. Look at our legal system. Isn't it so true that many lawyers are so focused on, on winning their legal cases that they often do not seem to care much about truth, justice, and righteousness? Perpetrators of the law are often protected more than the victims, depending on how much you spend money on your lawyers. Recent acts of racial injustice and the response to those acts demonstrate that people's hearts are far from just and righteous. What about justice and righteousness for the unborn? Countless numbers of babies of every skin color are killed before they are born in this so-called Christian nation, the United States of America. If we go to New York and go to the New York State Supreme Court building, we'll find these words inscribed right above the 10 huge granite columns right at the entrance. It reads, justice is the firm pillar of good government. From some time ago in our country, justice and righteousness have been gone. 
if those words are true, our nation's pillar is wobbly. Our nation is soon to collapse. Why did this come to happen to our nation? Why did we come to lose these essential moral qualities? The sequence is always the same. Impiety first. We left God and then immorality crept in. And then the disintegration of the society. Some people say, if there is a God, why do we have so much violence? Even in our schools, I tell you why. Because we kicked God out of our educational system some 50 years ago. Do we have hope as a nation? Is there any possibility for us to return to God and become a new nation? Listen, church. Yes, we do. We still have hope, amazing hope, because God is inviting us for restoration. In 587 B.C., exactly as Isaiah prophesied, the Babylonians captured and destroyed Jerusalem, burned God's temple, carried off the bulk of the Israelites' population into exile, in Babylon. Two generations passed. It seemed that all hope was gone. But Isaiah 55, the text that we read today, Isaiah 55 addresses the exiles with a message of amazing grace. God is on the move again. There will be a new exodus as God once again delivers his people from slavery. And God's mission to bring blessing to the whole world through Israel will move forward to its great climax. Isaiah 55, through 3 through 5. Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My fruitful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. What, what does it mean? Here, God is speaking about the original purpose of Israel and the restoration of Israel to that purpose. God's purpose for the people of Israel, for the nation of Israel, was that Israel would become a, a, a spiritual leader to the world so that the nations of the world would come to know God through Israel's testimonies through Israel's witnesses. I am seeing the same call of God upon America for our time. Though I'm a U.S. citizen, unlike most of you, I was born 
in Korea and grew up there. Korea was set free from the Japanese imperialistic regime after suffering 36 years under the Japanese oppression. But America was set free when America won World War II. Five years later, war broke out in Korea. If it were not for the American participation in the war, there would be no land, no free land, no prosperous country called the Republic of Korea. Tens of thousands of war orphans would have starved to death if it had not been for the U.S. government subsidies and the various American mission agencies. Naturally, as I was growing up in Korea in the 1960s and 1970s, everybody naturally talked about beautiful America and virtuous American people at the time. Korea was a dominantly Buddhist country. However, Korean people's religion did not matter. Every Korean man and woman said that America was a blessed country by God. God blessed the United States of America more than any other country's other world because of the American people's and their forefathers' commitment to God we can restore our nation's fortunes to that blessed status again. How will that happen? Isaiah says, in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found, Call on him while he is near. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. What better time do we have to come to God as a nation like the time in which we live? The time of COVID-19. When 9-11 happened in this country, I thought, I thought that mighty spiritual revival was happening. I thought that our country was coming back to God. Yes, we did. But only for three weeks. But this time, as we come back to God, can we come back to God with, with our hearts, with our souls? And can we stand Still and stay put in our commitment. Isaiah says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake the way until, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. We American people often talk about balanced life. Yes, I am all for balanced life myself. But our culture has gone far, far away from God's standards. Balanced life, I'm afraid that balanced life and balanced commitment won't change the current spiritual apathy. 
More than ever before, we must give a radical commitment to our God himself and his offer of new life if we're going to come back to God. It happened during the reign of Emperor Licinius in 320 AD. As we all know, the Roman Empire had the strongest military ever in its own time. Of all the Roman legions, the 12th legion, better known as the legion armed with lightning, was most popular as the strongest unit of the Roman military forces. Even among the soldiers that belonged to the 12th legion, there were 40 Christian soldiers that were known as the bravest, that were known as the most loyal bodyguards of the emperor. One day, the emperor ordered that all Christians would have to trade their lives for their faith in Christ. For fear of losing life, so many Christians, including Christian soldiers, forsook their Christian faith. But these 40 Christian soldiers would not give in. One day in that winter, at the order of the emperor, one of the company commanders of the emperor's royal guard had his company march to the lake of Svestes. As soon as the company arrived there, the soldiers built a bonfire right by the frozen lake. The wind was blowing harsh, and it was so freezing cold out there. As the soldiers were warming their bodies around the bonfire, the commander ordered that the 40 Christian soldiers must walk toward the center of the frozen lake. As the 40 were huddling up with one another right at the center of that frozen lake, the commander solemnly ordered, soldiers, take off your helmet. They took off their helmets. Take off your mantle. They took off their mantle. Take off your boots. They took off their boots. Take off your breastplates. They took off their breastplates. Take off your tunic and the thermal pants. All 40 soldiers took off their tunics and their thermal pants. And the commander went on to say, take off your shirts and underwear. All the soldiers became completely naked. It was so cold there. The company commander, looking at the 40 Christian soldiers that are shivering with cold and trampling with fear. The company commander cried out, one last time, I give you the opportunity to deny your faith in Christ and save your life. If you want to save your life, 
Pick up your uniform. Pick up your personal gear. Walk toward the shore of the lake. Go by the bonfire and warm your body. To everybody's amazement, not a single one of the 40 soldiers moved an inch. Instead, they all spoke back. The emperor may have given us these uniforms and personal gears. The emperor may have the right to kill us and take away our lives. Our eternal allegiance is only given to our master and our, ma our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ alone. They would not move. The soldiers on the other side of the lake began to plead with the 40 Christian soldiers, please deny Jesus and come join us. Please deny Jesus and save your life. Some time has gone by. One of the 40 fell to the ice, frozen to death. The fellow soldiers are weeping and begging now. Please, brothers, please, brothers, even if it may, just a, it may be just a big show, please deny Jesus and come to us and save your life. The second soldier fell. The third soldier fell. The fourth, the fifth, and so on. But these Christian soldiers would not budge. All the soldiers on the other side of the lake are now all weeping one by one. All these Christian soldiers are dying one by one. Finally, 38 died and there are only two that are still standing on the ice, shivering. Finally, one of the two fell. Gripped by fear, the last surviving soldier, he began to crawl on his stomach toward the shore to save his life. All the other soldiers are screaming now. Now they jumped up there running toward the soldier and rescued him and wrapped his body with multiple of blankets and put him by the bonfire to warm up his frozen body. While this bustle was going on, the company commander walked toward the center of the frozen lake, stood in the midst of the fallen soldiers of his fellow comrades, turned around toward the shore, faced the other soldiers. Without saying a word, he took off his helmet. He took off his mantle. He took off his boots and his breastplates. Took off his tunic with the thermal pants. And he took off his shirt and he took off his underwear. After he finished completely 
making himself naked, he spoke out loudly toward the shore where all the other soldiers are watching. He said, my fellow soldiers of the 12th Legion, I have been a compromising Christian all this time, but tonight I saw the gate of heaven open and I saw my Lord Jesus Christ embrace all these 39 of my fellow soldiers one by one in his bosom. What a glorious night. I saw God finally for the first time time with my naked eyes. I do not want to lose this opportunity to give my life to my Savior and my Master once and for all. Dear America, we were once upon a time a mighty Christian nation that all the rest of the world respected. But somehow, we have left our love for God. We have lost our love for God and His truth. Having started right there losing the truth, we have come to lose justice, righteousness, and morality, and we have become like Israel. My fellow Americans, the title of this series is, as you know, Dear America, my fellow Americans, shall we return to God with a radical commitment and stay put? Second Chronicles 7.12 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Psalm 33.12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What about you? Are you willing? Open your heart to the invitation of God and humbly speak to God. God, here I am. Would you take me? Would you reshape my heart, restore my soul, and use me to rebuild our nation as a nation where your will be done? Shall we pray? Father, we are grateful for your word today, Lord. Thank you for the series of message that Jesse started. Dear America, I know that this message came, all the series of messages came from the heart of God. Thank you for the strong invitation that's given to us Oh, Lord, we want to open our hearts and accept Jesus into our hearts. Whether we are Christians or not, we want to open our hearts to you, Lord, to your invitation one more time 
and speak out to you. Oh, Lord, would you come into my heart? If you are on the fringes of our hearts, we want to have you at the center chamber of our hearts and ask that you will touch me at the core of my being and transform my heart, transform who I am, and use me for the United States of America that our country may rise up again as a Christian nation and become a beacon light of the gospel for the rest of the world to come to know the glorious name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. For we ask this in the mighty name and the glorious name and the beautiful name of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Amen.